Okay, it's good to see you. Nice to see everyone. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm going to have to make a brief interruption in the middle, I think. But um, other than that, Bezos Hashem, hopefully we're going to be good. So good morning, everyone. And uh, we are here in Parshas Nayach. We're here in Parshas Nayach in, um, in the middle of the Pasuk, Pasuk Yud Gimel, where Hashem says to Nayach, Pasuk Yudalad, excuse me, rather, where Hashem says to Noach in chapter 6, verse 14, Perek Vov, Pasuk Yudalad, make for yourself a teva of atzei goifer, of gofer wood, kinim tases ateva. You should make the teva of kinim, of chambers, v'chafartoi, somi bayis, umichutz ba'koifer. You should coat it inside and out, with pitch. So last week, we started on this discussion about this verse, about the, addressing the fundamental question. And the fundamental question is, why is this the method that Noah has to be given to use in order to be able to save himself and to save the world? HaKadosh Baruch Hu has many ways of being able to save Noach. He could have floated him up to Shamayim in a bubble. He could have sent a UFO, right, and brought him to New Mexico. He could have done all kinds of interesting things, and that would have accomplished the goal of saving Nayach and saving all the animals and saving the world. Instead, what Nayach had to do was he had to create for himself a teva. So this was what we talked about last week. And I'm going to review a little bit briefly, um, especially in order to dwell to, to dwell somewhat on a point which we touched uh, but did not completely uh, completely uh, discuss. And it's something which we're going to move the ball on a little bit here today. And, uh, and, but again, in Mir Tashem, still it's something which will continually need to be discussed. We're going to hopefully only use the first part for review and for solidifying that, and then we're going to go further. So the first thing which we talked about last time was that we all know that part of what happened in the time of the Mabel was that the environment was destroyed. And I'm not talking about the ozone layer, right? but we're talking instead about the, the, the spiritual environment. Noah was told by Hashem that I have to destroy all the living things along with the land. Remember, up to three tfachim, where the plow blade would hit in the soil, all had to get washed away because it was like mold. The sins of the Dor HaMabel were pervasive. They had affected the whole atmosphere of the generation. That's why even the animals were behaving in strange ways and mating with those that weren't of their own type. How do animals come to sin? How do animals come to do Averos? But we explained that when a righteous person does things, right, the beautiful idea expressed and taught by the Beis HaLevi, when a righteous person does things, He's rewarded not only for his good deeds, but he's rewarded for the good deeds of others because you create an environment where goodness proliferates. And heaven forbid the same is true in the opposite direction. A person could create an environment where bad things proliferate. And that's what happened in the time of the Mabul. And that's why Noach had to construct a world. A world had to be constructed which was a pure one. He had to make a teva which would have its own atmosphere, its own positive, beautiful, spiritual atmosphere. Noach could go to no cave on a mountaintop. He couldn't escape to any place. There had to be something which was made to be a remake of the world in a pure, rarefied, what we would call a rarefied atmosphere that would allow Noach to be there, to build and to cultivate spirituality within, within, that, within that framework. Just want to mention that Emir Tashem, there is a there is a a, a, a Stanley. I think got you got the handout for the shear. Yes, you did. Okay, so if you, you if you maybe put it on the I don't know for those who don't get the emails from you, they can maybe send you a message to get it, or, or you know you could tell them by the chat how they could get it. They'll send you their email address and they'll get it. Okay, so that's that. That was one attitude, one aspect that we talked about why Noach had to build the Teva, because something had to be created that would be very different than the rest of the world around him. 
We, we also saw Rashi's very important interpretation, which is found in Chazal, which we will actually be reviewing today in a medrash that will come up in our discussion. And that was that the reason why he did this was because the, Mabel, the Teva was a long-term project. And remember Rashi's approach, which is that for 120 years before the Mabel, we knew that the Mabel was threatened to be coming. It was already Parshas Bracious, even before Noach's first child was born. And Rashi says he made him do this big job of building the Teva so that people would see it. And they would say, what is that monstrosity that you're building in your, in your driveway? And it would give an opening for Noach to be able to say to them, well, it's very simple, the world is coming to an end. Right? And Noach would be a little bit more impressive than the guy walking in Central Park with the sandwich board saying the world is coming to an end. Noach is building, he's preparing, right? And he's doing that and it would be a tool for Noach to be able to get other people to come along and to be able to do tshuva. That's a second attitude, a very significant one which is found quoted by anyone who addresses this question. Even when they offer different answers, they use this approach. The third approach, which we talked about, started with the Ramban, very significant, where the Ramban says, now why is he building a teva? The teva is nice and big. It was huge, right? Shlosh Meos Amos, 300 Amos long, longer than a football field probably. However, the problem is, as the Ramban says, to bring every animal, minimum two of each, every bird, minimum two of each, into the Teva, with food to feed them for a year, ten such ships would not be sufficient, says the, says the Ramban. So if that's the case, there was a miracle that happened here. And if there's a miracle that happened here, so then why not just do a miracle? Why not send down that bubble and save it? Why does Noah have to go about building a huge ship? Right? Why shouldn't he build a rowboat? As we said last week, why shouldn't he build a Volkswagen? Right? And let everything somehow miraculously, like it did when you were in college, fit into the Volkswagen. Right? So if that's the case, why does, why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu make it that he has to make this miracle, this, this teva, which is so big? So the Ramban says, you know, besides for... Uh, first he quotes the opinion of Chazal, which he says that this way they would see it. If he builds a little rowboat, it wouldn't call people's attention. It would be a two-week project, a one-week project. He's building the teva. It's a huge attention-grabbing thing that's a tool for him to bring the people to do tshuva. But then the Ramban says something of his own. And he says, Lemait benes, to reduce the miracle. The more he does, the bigger he builds it, the less obvious the miracle. Right? If you see... Uh, elephants tumbling out of a Volkswagen, so then you see a miracle instantaneously. When Noach is filling the teva with things, the teva's huge. There's no moment. A person would have to be watching the whole thing, you know, at, on, on, uh, you know, in, you know, speed it up, you know, like you, you can do sometimes in order to be able to see that there's anything unusual going on here. Otherwise, for hours, how many hours, how many days would it take to fill up one ship this size? So the miracle would be Within nature, it would be hidden. Noach would be doing a large part of it. And writes the Ramban, look, you know, the, the, the Torah generally wants, with miracles, that the person should do what they could do, and then Hashem takes over from there. When we talked about this last week, we divided this further into two aspects. One aspect was, well, Hashem likes to be hidden within the world. The second, very, very significant, is that we want the man to do whatever the man can do. And there's a difference when you live in a reality which was created by God and when you live in a, crea- in a reality where you have contributed to that reality. What does that mean? Isn't God always involved? Yes. But for example, we look at the luchos, right? The example we gave was the example of the luchos. What happened with regard to the luchos? luchos avonim karishonim. Hashem gave Moshe Rabbeinu the luchos. 
he gave them the he, he gave the tablets which he had created carved out inscribed with the writing upon it Moshe Rabbeinu did the whole thing HaKadosh Baruch Hu did the whole thing what happened to those luchos? smashed to smithereens smashed to smithereens we carry them around if you noticed Rashi in yesterday's Parsha when it spoke about the Oron going ahead of the Jewish people Rashi's opinion was it was the Oron that contained those smithereens of the luchos but there's a second set of luchos. And that second set of luchos we still have. We don't exactly have access to it, as you know. Right? But we have. It's still intact. It never broke. It lasted. It occupied the central place in the Beis Hamikdash. That's You're talking about almost a thousand years after they were given. Those, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe, I want you to carve them out, bring them up to the mountain, I'll write. I'll, I will inscribe the words on them, but I want you to carve out and to produce the stones. The second edition of giving the world, called the world of Torah to the Jewish people, we had to do a significant part. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the whole thing and delivered it to us, He appeared on Har Sinai, we did nothing, we created no structure. Hashem just said, okay, you're here at Har Sinai, you stand around, I'm coming down, I'm doing the whole thing, I'm going to give you the luchos, what happens? Easy come, easy go. Right? It's, you know, to, excuse me, it's like blowing an inheritance or blowing the lottery winnings. Right? The person who sweated and worked and generated the money dollar after dollar, hundred dollars after hundred dollars, thousand dollars after thousand, builds the house you know, carefully, brick by brick by brick, Boy, you try to break that. He's not going to blow that. Right? Fast money comes in fast and goes out fast. Hard work, it doesn't happen that way. HaKadosh Baruch who says the second set of luchos, you'll create it, you'll preserve it. Noach, the world of Adam Arishan, Adam Arishan was plunked down into paradise, into Ganeid, and he did nothing in order to create it. Hashem planted it. Within the day he was out. The world that Hashem had created for them, within ten generations, it's on the brink of collapse. The world of Noach is still intact, my friends. It's still here. We're living in it. This world only exists because a human being went and invested in salvaging it. It's a huge difference. That's another reason why Asei Lecha you have to make the teva. Okay, so one reason is there has to be a separate atmosphere from the horrible world's atmosphere had been so corrupted. That explains why he couldn't just be in some corner of the world in some air pocket that would be saved from the waters of the flood. Then we had Rashi. Engaging in this gives a chance to teach the world and to bring them back. And finally, we have the Ramban that says... We want him to build it. We don't want it to be miraculous. We don't want it to be in the hand of Hashem. We want him to build it. This is the second version. The first version Hashem made. The second one, now I want you to build it. If you build it, you're going to protect it. You're going to make sure that it lasts. Now, we, however, continued last week to speak of one other aspect. Because that middle pshat, the one which everyone quotes, the pshat of Rashi, is tough. Because yes, it is true that we say that Hashem gave him 120 years to get everybody to do tshuva. But he wasn't successful at all. Nobody joined him in the teva after 120 years except for his own nuclear family. So what's going on? Why is that? So we've dwelled on another aspect that's discussed in that pasuk. And that's the last point which we, which we made last time, which is a very important and formative point. The Mepharshim, the commentaries, ask a question. The Chazal ask a question, or point out a contrast. And that is that Hashem told Nayach he was, about to he was going to destroy the world, and what did Nayach say? What's a cubit? Right? That's all that he said. He didn't say, Rabbi Shalalam, why are you destroying the world? Or, can I pray to you that you won't destroy the world? 
Why did Noach not daven for the salvation of his generation? So last week I showed you how the Arachayim HaKadosh says Noach did nothing wrong. And the reason why he did nothing wrong is, even though when Avram Avinu was told about the destruction of Sodom, what did he do? He stood up and he prayed for the salvation of Sodom. But Noach didn't do that. And the reason is because way HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him about the destruction of the world was that he told him about it definitively. I'm destroying the world. When it came to Avram, Avram he, said to, he said, I want to see what's going on with Sodom. Let me see what's going on with Sodom. And then I'll decide. So Hashem was giving him an opening. When Hashem told Moshe about the Jewish people's failure that led to the, to the Egel, he said, look, allow me to let my anger flare against them and I will destroy them. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, oh, I have to allow him. That means he's giving me room to object, to pray, to somehow avert this crisis. But when it came to Nayach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I am destroying them. Said the Arachayim HaKadosh, Hashem left, left no room for, um, for, uh, for discussion. And remember, says the Arachayim HaKadosh, when Hashem told Avram, there was nothing for Avram being, being told to do except to pray. When Hashem told Moshe, Moshe had nothing to do except to pray. When Hashem told Noach, he was telling Noach because he says, you have to go and build a teva. <laughs> so he knew why Hashem was telling him. He wasn't telling him as an invitation to prayer. He was telling it to him because he needed him to do something. Says the Rachaim HaKadosh, Noach didn't pray, but he didn't pray for good reason. Rabbi Nubachya asked the same question. And he says, why didn't Noach pray? Kana ben Shoel, remember that beautiful language? Here the child asks, why didn't Noach pray like Avram Avinu prayed? And Rabbeinu Bachya said, a very different answer. He said, well, you know, Noach knew that he wouldn't be able to avert the crisis because there weren't ten tzaddikim. Avram Avinu only prayed up to ten tzaddikim. He knew there weren't, without ten tzaddikim you can't save the world. And that's found in the Zayar HaKadosh. It's one of the things which is found in the Zayar HaKadosh. I mentioned to you last time that the Shalua HaKadosh says something unbelievably sweet, beautiful, and he says that the son in the Haggadah, the She'ena Yodei Elisho, the one who doesn't know how to ask, is not the one who's you know, sitting there like the picture in the Haggadah that I had when I was a child, who's sitting there like this, you know, and, and doesn't, you know, the, you know, just, you know, flat. She'ena Yodei Elisho is the one who doesn't know how to pray. He says, Noach was the Shein Yedei Elisha. Kodesh Baruch Hu told him, this is what's happening. Noach didn't know how to pray. He didn't know how to ask Hashem for it to be different. And that's reflected in the Zayar HaKodesh that says that the waters of the flood are called the waters of Noach. Right? As we said last week, May Noach Zosli, Apostle in Yeshayahu, Perek Nondala, chapter 54 in Yeshayahu. We read it as the Haftorah of Parshas Noach. We read it in, as the Haftorah, one of the seven Haftorahs of Consolation in the summer. The waters of Noach, these are to me, that I swore I would never have the waters of Noach again cover the earth. And Chazal asked, why are they called the waters of Noach? They're the waters of everybody but Noach. They're the waters despite Noach. Says the Zohar, no, they are the waters of Noach. Because Noach's task was to pray. Like Avram prayed. Like Moshe Rabbeinu prayed. Noach should have prayed. He should have turned to the Rabbanu Shalom and asked. And because he didn't, he is to some degree blamed for the Mabel. That's what we have. Last week I included on the sheet um, from the Zohar Chodesh, two places in the Zohar Chodesh. It says, Noach lo hegen al dorov lo ispal lov kavram. Noach didn't protect his generation and didn't pray for them like Avram. When Hashem told Avram about the outcry of Sodom and Amir, immediately Avram rushed forward and he prayed. Until he asked for ten, if ten Sadiqim. And he says, you know why Avram stopped? Because he thought for sure there's ten Sadiqim. Ten, come on. And that's why Avram stopped. But that was Avram's prayer. Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for the generation, says the Zohar. But Noach? No. Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Rabbeinu Shalom, if you don't save them, 
then erase me from the book. And says the Zayr HaKadosh, Oso HaTeva V'Nevar Kol HaOlam. Noyach instead spent 120 years preparing his own escape hatch, preparing his own parachute, and not saving the generation. That's the indictment of Noyach which is found here. Ouch! Major, major, ouch. This is found again, as I mentioned to you last time, in a couple of sources in the Zayra Kodesh. And I allude to here, it's in the Zayra Kodesh, it's in the Zayra Kodesh in Parshas Noyach as well. When Hashem told him, build the Teva and you will come to the Teva, he said, oh, my, I and my family will be saved. He didn't daven for the generation and they were destroyed. And that's why the Mabul is called on his name. As it says, because the waters of Noach, these are for me. So Moshe Rabbeinu said when it was his turn at the time of the pending possible destruction of the Jewish people from the Egel, Hashem turned to Moshe and he had a similar proposal as to Noach. Remember all the comparisons we've been making between Moshe and Noach? Again, we'll have another one yet today, Be'ezus Hashem. He says, Hashem comes to Moshe, he says, I'll destroy the Jewish people and I'll rebuild them from you. I'll make you into the great nation. That's his mabul, that's his teva. He's going to destroy everybody else and Moshe Rabbeinu will be rebuilt. Like Noach, he destroyed everybody else and Noach will rebuild the world. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashda tavli de'emos v'le'ishtetun Yisrael. I'd rather die than have the Jewish people destroyed. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer. He said, you have to save the Jewish people. If not, don't save me. The contrast with Noach. Now, if you read that by itself, if you read that by itself, the way it comes across is that Noach was selfish. That he wasn't thinking enough, kindly enough about others. That's pretty harsh, pretty tough. It could explain perhaps why he wouldn't be effective in getting them to do the right thing, to do tshuva. Another possibility, of course, which we're going to talk about in Mir Tashem at other times, is that maybe Noach didn't believe that compassion was in order. You remember somebody named Yonah? He also traveled on a, you know, in the water, with water all around him, and was saved. And there are other interesting comparisons between Noach and Yonah. And by the way, what was Noah's favorite pet? This is not a joke. The Yonah, right? Noah sent out the Yonah. The Yonah was the bird of salvation. Okay, so you want to look for comparisons. You could probably find, you could probably find lots of them. And again, we'll show you, Emir Tzashem, some more of them. But Yonah was told, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overturned. Yonah didn't want them to do tshuva. He didn't want to go and tell them. He said, they deserve it. Throw the book at them. So maybe Noach, it wasn't that he wasn't, wasn't, uh, he was selfish. Noach said, hey, I'm a Republican. Whatever. He said, I'm, you know, I believe they did it. They got to pay for it. Right? I'm not, I don't believe, don't, 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 don't have endless compassion. That's one possibility. But you see that we have here in this story a double issue with Noach. On the one hand, he didn't get them to do tshuva. And on the other hand, he didn't simply pray for Rachmanus that they should be saved. And in both these points, he stands in contrast to Avram and to Moshe Rabbeinu. Avram Avinu, the world was also on the brink. But Avram Avinu, what did he do? Number one, he prayed. When Sodom was going to be destroyed, he prayed for Sodom. Number two, 
more fundamentally, Avram's whole life was dedicated to getting the world to do tshuva, teaching people about the Rabbanu Shalaylam. Avram Vinu was characterized by chesed, by kindness. If we're going to look at the difference between the ten generations to Noach and where they ended, where they landed, and the ten generations to Avram and where they landed, we start to see something. It's not enough yet. We haven't built enough of the picture yet. But this is extremely important as we come to this Pasuk, where Hashem says, I'm destroying the world, make for yourself a teva. And Noach goes ahead to build for himself a teva. And he has no further reaction. And the teva is meant as an instrument of kiruv, an instrument to improve others, ineffective in that way. And when he's given the instruction, he should have been praying for others, say Chazal, and he doesn't do so. This is an important space here in this story. An important space. A person, as we said, is supposed to pray for everyone. When we pray, when we pray for the well-being of our kingdom, of our government, we're doing it because the concern of a person must extend beyond themselves and their own daladamas, their own four cubits. The person's concern has to go far and wide to everybody. That's the key. What's that? Sheena Yodea Lisho. Noach evidently, right, Lishalos characterizes it that he didn't know how to daven. But what does that mean he didn't know how to daven? Who taught Avram Avinu how to daven? Himself. He he taught himself. So why couldn't Noach teach himself? <laughs> okay. Chazal tell us that Adam Arishon Davin. Right? He saw a need for rain and he turned for the Rabbanu to Rabbanu Shem and the Rabbanu Shem brought rain. But Noach didn't daven. Could I ask you, what's the word that Chazal use really in Aramaic for davening? You know what they, the word they use? Rachame. What's Rachame? It's like the Hebrew word. Rachamim. Mercy. That's what Tzfil is. Rachame. Whatever language, but Chazal say it's Rachame. It feels Rachame. Maybe Noach wasn't into Rachamim. Let's uh, hold these ideas for a little bit. I want you to hold on to them. But they're going to percolate in us some more and we're going to develop it maybe a little bit more today but realize that this is a horribly difficult framing of the story of what's happening here so now I would like to go on with you, you know, now that we're about halfway in I want to go on with you a little bit further in this Pasuk excuse me so Noach was instructed, and here we move to our the sheet. If for those who wish to follow the sheet, if you have it, if not, you could you could check with Stanley for the sheet. Make for yourself a teva of gopher wood. <coughs> Kinim tases hateva, make it out of chambers, and you should coat it from inside and out with kaifer. Says Rashi, atzei gofer, kach shemo, they're called gopher wood. Veloma miminze, why gopher wood? Of all types of wood. Al shem gofris, says Rashi, it's because of the name gofris. You know what gofris is? Gofris is sulfur. It was decreed upon them to be erased with it. What does it mean that there was Nigzar Aleim to be destroyed with sulfur? I'm sorry, I should have included on the sheet, but I did not. Right, the Mephorshim explained, like the Gurarye of the Maharal, that the Mabul was Reishim. It was hot water. 
That's why it says, Vayimach is kol ayakum, it says, Vayashayku amayim. They bring different proofs that the marble was hot water. Chazal say, Bereischim kilkalu, Bereischim, Bereischim nenshu, I think. Right? They sinned with hot, with hot, in heat. Their, their, their moral failings were with, so to speak, the heat, you know, liquids of heat. So too, they were destroyed with heat. Now, where does hot water, natural hot water, come from? Okay, if you're going to Google hot springs, right, you'll understand that what happens is that the somehow the sulfur, which is the mineral, which is in the soil, somehow degrades and gets into the water. That's going to be part of the characteristic of hot springs. Making it hot, it's a result of it, but... Hot, you don't want to drink your water from the hot springs. Right? If you learn Masech Shabbos, some of you may be learning the Daf you might remember the Mishnah discusses the trick that they did in Tiveria, where they would heat up the water, is they ran a fresh water pipe through the hot springs, but it had to be in its own pipe, and that way we get heated up by the hot springs water that was around it, but it remained drinkable, because you can't drink the water from the hot springs, because it's filled with those sulfuric uh, elements and minerals, not, 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 uh, not healthy. It's great for external use only, right? So, so the, 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 the gophris, which is the sulfur, which is very destructive. By the way, where in the Torah do you have the word gophris? It says later in the Torah, when it describes the utter destruction, heaven forbid, which could be visited upon our land, it says, Gofris vamelach sreifokol arzo, losisorava, losatsmiach, kimapecha stom vamora. Sulfur and salt, such that the land will never be able to be planted, like the overturning of stom and amora. Now, by stom, we all know that there was salt, right? We understand that somehow the uh, wife of Lot shared the fate of the city, and then she turned into a pile of salt. But sulfur and salt, the destruction of Sodom, as we understand, uh, we haven't discussed it at length, but it's self-evident and should have also been triggered in our minds when we had the discussion about Avram. The destruction of Sodom is a small version of the Mabul. Sodom was corrupt in similar ways. Right? They were also filled with stealing and terrible interpersonal interactions. And they were destroyed. Hashem didn't destroy the world. He destroyed one place. It was more fire than water. But salt and sulfur. And here we have Gophris was part of the destruction. It eludes Rashi. And that's why Noach made the Teva out of Gopher, because Gopher sounds like Gophris. Anybody want to explain that to me? The Teva is to save them. So why should it be even the same name as the destroyer? Okay, let's go a little bit further in Rashi, okay? Kinim tases ha-teva. What does it mean you should make the Teva kinim? Medurim medurim l'chol behem Separate chambers for all the different animals. Interesting. Hold it for a little bit. Bakofer. Says Rashi, Zephes, pitch, tar, Beloshan Arami. Umatzinu betalmud kufra. And then Rashi helps us. Remember, we mentioned before Noach and Moshe, all those comparisons that we've mentioned before. Moshe was also saved in a teva. Right? He was also saved in a teva, except it wasn't a big teva with football fields with elephants in it. It was just a little like a, a floating bassinet. And there it says that they did it bachomer uvazefes. It doesn't say says Rashi. No, Moshe Rabbeinu was in a lapping pond, you know? It was nice and gentle. It wasn't being tossed around in the boiling water of a superstorm. Of a, of a mabel. So it needed to be waterproof, but a little waterproof will do the trick. 
However, Noach needed it inside and outside with pitch because, my goodness, this is going to be, you know, this has to be a super tanker. It has to be super strong in order to withstand all that was going on around. Va'od, and furthermore, Moshe Rabbeinu should not have to inhale the foul odor of Zephis. Whereas Noach, it was going to be a big storm, it needed it inside and outside, and if they're going to smell bad stuff, they'll smell bad stuff. And by the way, what's the, what, what do people consider to be the ultimate in a bad smell? Sulfur. Right? Sulfur is, smells like rotten eggs. Very, very, very odorous. So they had pitch, which didn't smell good. And they had gopher wood, which we're comparing to gophers. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Let's veer a little bit to the simple interpretations, or, or I say the straight non-Midrashic interpretations. We find here in the Radak, he says, the first says, make for yourself a teva. This is l'rtzaincha, for you. You'll be saved from it. It'll be for your benefit. You with all the other living things. Gopher, who eats kal al says, Radak, it's a nice floating kind of a wood. It's very good for ships because it floats well. It's a variety of cedar. Kanim, says the Radak Medurim, Chalukim, separate rooms, like the nest of a bird. And people make that for Yainim, for doves, they make them separate chambers in their coop. Let each species live by itself. Now, what do you hear in that? Very, very straightforward and beautiful. They're being brought into the mabul, into the teva, to be spared from the mabul, to create a place of purity. And remember, what was the manifestation of impurity in the animals? Crossbreeding. Crossbreeding, exactly right. And these animals, we're going to learn shortly, the ones that came to the teva, not today, but in Yerz Hashem, shortly in our terms, which means within the decade, Bezos Hashem. Right, so 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 the the ones that came to the teva were the ones that never fell into that. So when Noach was to build the teva, he built it in a way where each min had its private quarters. This is supposed to be a place where that immorality is cured. Beautiful, beautiful. By the way, what's the word for pitch? Look at it in the Pasuk. It's there twice. Kuf, kuf, pei, resh. What does that spell? Kapara. Yom Kippur. Is that the day of pitch? The day of tar? It's the day of cleansing. Hmm. Hmm. Does that come across well over Zoom when I go, hmm? <laughs> Good, just checking. Okay. So, right? The chafarto, so mi bayesu mi kofer. Kapora. Hmm. Kinim, you structure the teva in a way where it's going to be different than it was before. I'm going to show you later if we have a chance, but I'll tell it to you now. It's further down on your sheet. You see source Vav on your sheet if you wish. It's from the Medrash Bamidbar Rabbah. Noach Parsha Lamed Aleph, paragraph test, the second paragraph that we have here. Kinim Tases Hateva, says the Medrash. Kilinu Medurin, translates it simply. Different rooms. Omrav Yitzchak. No, play on words. Mahakan hazem You know, there's a mesechta called kinim. Kuf, no, not kinim of with a chaf, like you have the lice of, of the makas. There's a mesechta kinim. Kinim means nests. Where's the mesechta of nests? 
No, it's not the Masechta about the mitzvah to send away the mother before you take the young. It's a Masechta about bringing birds as a carbon. When you would bring a pair of birds, which is called a kan, and the plural is kinim. And who brings birds? Where are birds a required part of the offerings? You know who brings birds? A metzorah for his purification brings birds. There's birds for the oledes. Birds are used, not exclusively, but mostly when you bring a pair of birds, it's for purification. Said Rav Yitzchak, Medrash, play on words. Kinim means make rooms. But Kinim reminds us of the birds. And what are the birds? Just like this Khan purifies the Metzora, your Teva will purify you. Continues the Medrash. Etc. So it brings what Rashi brings. Hard waters, soft waters. <laughs> but it brings it right after saying Kinim Tasa that it's for purification. The Medrash says Kinim means purification. Vechafarta also means purification. The Mabul, the Teva, was for some de- to some degree a purification of Nayach. Now this is a different perspective than saying, okay, this was Nayach's selfish way of saving himself. Of course not. Kodesh Baruch gave him a mitzvah. He was here to build the world. There can be, you understand, that life is complex. And the analysis of Nayach will be complex. Nayach was a tzaddik, he was a righteous person, perfect in his generation. It doesn't mean that he was objectively perfect. It doesn't mean that he didn't make any mistakes. It doesn't mean that there weren't things which were missing from Nayach. But there were huge, great things about Nayach. He saved the world. We're all here because of him. Remember what was anticipated of Noach. To bring comfort from the world. And he did. The Teva was something which was part about bringing about that purification and bringing about that remedy. So what is in it? We have a number of things in it. Elements of purification, kinim, kofarta. And then we come back to this gophris thing, this gopher wood, the sulfur. What does that mean? So I want to read for you a line which you have in your, on your sheet, which comes from the Medrash Hagodol. The Medrash Hagodol is, you know, I, I, I'm not an expert on the sources of the Medrash Hagodol, but it's a much later version of Medrash, which includes in it many things which were said in later, not in the earliest generations of, of commentary like we're used to with Midrashim, which come from Tanoim. And the Medrash Hagodol, is where we find this idea that Rashi says, Why gopher wood? Because gopher sounds like gophris. Gophris is sulfur. The generation was punished with gophris. Noach was deserving to be judged along with them with gophris as well. And because he found favor in the eyes of God, Hashem said he should be spared. But he said, let him make it out of gopher wood, that it should be an atonement for him. Meaning, the way the Medrash HaGodol makes it sound, that Noah to some degree deserved to be included with his generation. So he also experienced gophers. He also experienced the sulfur, but in the form of the gophers wood of the teva. It's almost saying, there but for the grace of God goes he. Right? He also is to some degree included with them. And that's why you have this poignant thing of the gopher wood. That's what the Medrash says. 
And again, that would be taking him down a drop. He needs kapara. He doesn't inhale good fragrances when he's there. He's not Moshe Rabbeinu, completely removed from the suffering of the, of the time. He has to suffer a little bit along with them. That's sort of the attitude, the way it is presented there. I want to perhaps suggest to you a turn on this. A turn on this approach. Not contradicting, heaven forbid, Rashi, the opposite. And not even contradicting the Medrash Hagadol but an important perspective, and I would say especially important for us in our lives, and especially in the current framework of our lives. And I want to try to do this efficiently in the time that we have, to quickly share with you two medrashim, one medrash, which is, to me, fabulous. You'll, th- you'll read it, there's not so much new in it, but there's something new in it. Medrash Tanchuma. For 120 years, Hashem was issuing a warning to the generation of the Mabel. Maybe they'll do tshuva. When they didn't do tshuva, He said, make a teva. Right? We had this discussion. Did he make the teva? Was he instructed from the beginning of the 120 years? Later, Omad Noach was a tshuva. Noach stood and did tshuva. Venata arazim, and he planted arazim. He planted cedar woods. Okay, excuse me for one moment. As as said, just give me one minute. Okay, I'm sorry. Back. So, um, hold on. Yeah, okay. So, so the the um, the medrash says, "Omad Noach ba'osat shuva v'nata arazim." He planted cedars. Arazim elu lama. Why are you planting these cedars? Hashem wants to make a mabul. And so he said, make yourself a teva. So I got to start from scratch. What did he do when he started from scratch? He planted cedars. <laughs> you may wonder, 120 years to build a teva. Well, when you start with planting cedars, it takes a long time for a cedar tree to grow and to grow big enough to make planks. So maybe he didn't spend 120 years building, but he started with planting the cedars. Okay, now that's what's new about this medrash that you didn't know before, right? By a show of hands? Who knew it before? Nobody knew it. I mean, I, I didn't know who didn't know it before? Right? People didn't know it, right? The beautiful medrash. He did it. They were laughing at him. They were taunting him. And every day Noach went out with his little watering can and he watered those little cedars. And they were growing into big cedars. And they said, what are you doing? And he responded again and they still laughed. Then he cut down the cedars and he was making them into planks. And they said, what are you doing? And he said the same thing. There's a marble coming. They didn't do tshuva. The marble came. That's what it says here in this medrash. Okay, now this follows an opinion which is found in the Gemara in Sanhedrin that the gopher is a form of cedar. But what's so beautiful about this medrash? Well, one thing you might say, as a classic, the famous Gemara about Kama How great were the deeds of Chia. What does that mean? Chia, Rabbi Chia said, I'm going to assure that the Torah won't be forgotten from the Jewish people. Right? So what did he do? It says he went and he trapped, he, he grew flax. And from the flax he made nets. And with the nets he trapped deer. 
And then he took the deer and he shechted them and he took their hides and he wrote on them a Sefer Torah and he taught the Torah. And then he taught Mishnayis, you know, he taught Torah Shabal Pet to kids and had them share with each other. So the famous question is, he couldn't go to Ace Hardware and buy a net and buy string. So the Marsha says famously, if you want to preserve the Torah, you don't use materials which came from anywhere else. You start it with perfect purity. When Nayach was building a teva, he couldn't take existing cedars that were planted, that were there, that were there in the, in the polluted world. He had to start from scratch and say, this is being planted for the sake of a pure world. That's beautiful. I'll tell you something else, which we will, Bezvah Hashem, come back to, which is also magnificent. There's another story of someone planting cedars. You know who it was? Yaakov Avinu. When he went down to Mitzrayim, he knew the Jewish people would come out. Right? The Medrash asks, when they built the Mishkan, it says that they should give, you know, atzei shitim, shitim woods, which are also a form of cedar. Where did they get them from? So, Mirz Hashem, when we talk in the future, we're going to note, it says that Yaakov planted them. He prepared them, that they would have them. He knew that there would be a Mishkan, and he had the Jewish people, the Jewish people knew it to take it out of Mitzrayim, to be prepared. Now, we're going to be spending some time Hashem, in our discussion talking about the two buildings that are described in their architecture in the Torah. What are they? The Teva and the Mishkan. There's a lot of relationship between those two things. Okay, but again, that too is not exactly for now. But see what happens over here. This is this wood was planted, was created to begin with for this purpose. Now let's look at the other medrash. Asay lochateva satsay geifer. Amr avisi bedalad mekaymes benemar beloshen hazeh asay. In four places it says asay asay lecha make for yourself. B'sholish nisparish uveachad lo nisparish. Three times it was explained exactly what to do, but one time not. And the medrash goes on and says, by the teva. Hashem told Noach exactly what to make it from. Moshe Rabbeinu was told to make chatzotzros, actually, in yesterday's parsha. What did he tell him? Make chatzotzros, trumpets of silver. He told him exactly what to make them from. When Yeshua had to give a bris milah massively to the Jewish people, he told them, make yourself charvais tzurim, make yourself flint knives. Told them what to do. But there was one time... When he didn't say. And what's that? When the Jewish people were being struck by a plague of snakes, Hashem said, make for yourself a seraph. Make for yourself a burning thing, a snake. And put it on a... He didn't say what he should make it from. How do you make a snake? How do you make a snake? So Moshe Rabbeinu made a nechash nechashas. He made a copper snake. And Chazal say because nechoshes, which means copper, sounds like nachosh, which means snake. Fascinating, right? Interesting? Okay, what, what's that got to do? Anything. So I want to share with you the, something which is here, which is, it's delicious. It's beyond delicious. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, said, the snakes are biting the people, I have a remedy. You know what the remedy is? A snake. The remedy is a snake. Make a snake, and Moshe Rabbeinu makes a snake's snake, right? And a chash, a chash, a copper snake. And they'll look at it, and that's going to be their salvation. Writes the Ramban there in Parshas Chukas. He says, it's weird, Right? What's going on over here? It's Nes Besach Nes, he writes. And Chazal say, it's a miracle within a miracle. It's a miracle to be healed. But to confront, 
to use the illness itself to heal? That's extra special. Right? He says, he writes all kinds of things about people who are bitten by a dog. They can't even see, if they see the image of a dog, it intensifies. Because it's just a, more and more and more. But here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, take from the snake itself in order to produce the healing. Now, is this the case? You could say miracle within miracle. You could say gofris, gopher wood is because you deserve to be punished like them. And maybe that's also. You look at that snake, you have to realize you deserve to be punished like them. But part of it is that usually the problem is created because it is that which will generate the solution. We can view the mabul, the gofris of the mabul, as the problem, as the source of destruction, which of course it was the source of destruction. But it was also the source of the tshuva. When destruction happens, so then you say, one second, tell me something, the people who escaped the bites of the snake in that story in Parshas Chukas, which we'll read in a few weeks, Bezos Hashem, they escaped the snake? They were completely immune to it? They had, had nothing to do with them? Or did the story itself of the Nachash, when they looked at it right, when they looked up to Shamayim and they said, look at this plague, right? Chazal tell us, the Nachash kills or the Nachash brings life. No, they looked up, they looked up to the Rabboni Shalom. Meaning that the difficulty created reflection, and from the wound itself, the healing came. When there was a mabu that destroyed the world, so Noach says, Hashem says, Noach, free pass, you get to escape, no problem. No way. Noach goes into the Teva with the ultimate sobriety. Look at this. The world is being destroyed. Look what it came to. Hashem is giving me a chance to save myself, to save the world through saving myself. The Mabul is the frame of reference for that. It is from the plague that you get the strength. We would say it in our terms, the, the immunity comes from having successfully beaten back the disease. Then you gain the antibodies to be able to fight it again the next time that it comes. That's the miracle within the miracle, that the disease fights itself. But one may say, without tremendous poetic license, without just being homiletic, but being very, very real, that's the way life works. From the challenge, from the difficulty, you gain the strength, you gain the perspective to, to do it back. That's the greatness of the Baal Tshuva, of the person who does Tshuva. Right? We say the person who does Tshuva, not just because they're scared and therefore they want to escape the consequences. Right? That would be a picture of Noah building the, building the Teva and saying, get me out of here, I don't want to get hit by the hot water. Shoo! I escaped. No, tshuva me'ava, which means tshuva of engagement, tshuva out of love, tshuva of growth. What happens? What do Chazal say? The averos, the failures of the past, become like merits. They become the greatest strengths of the person. What does that mean? That they use their past experience and they say, hey, one second, I was missing something before, now I cherish what I have to have, what I have to focus on, how I have to do better. Noah built the teva from the sulfur of the wood, so to speak, from gopher gophris wood. Right? If the teva was an escape, was a, excuse me, an immature escape, everybody else is getting it, you get to run away to Hawaii, then it's created by wood by whatever name but nothing to do with the flood. The flood is everybody else. It's not you. But that's not the case. 
the flood is Noach. If the Zohar didn't say May Noach, that we're blaming Noach for the flood, what would you say May Noach means? The waters of Noach. I'll tell you what I would say, and I'm sure you would say the same thing. Not that Noach is blamed for those waters, but those waters were formative of Noach. The Noach that came out of the Teva was a Noach that was defined by having survived the flood. Right? In our terminology, what do we call them? Survivors. A survivor is, oh, they didn't have that. No, it's not true. Their whole being is forged by what they went through. Their whole being is forged by what they went through. That's the waters of Noah. That's the Atzei Gopher. If a person goes through an experience like this and says, oh, shoo, we made it. Let's get back to normal. Garnished. Lost. Lost opportunity. These are the waters of Noach. The Gophris is him. That sulfur that destroyed formed him, changed him. And one day, Emir Hashem, we're going to learn about where Hashem says, I'm never going to destroy the world again, right? After the Mabal, I'll never destroy the world again. Oh, it was so bad. I never want to destroy the world again. Why? Why not? Maybe they'll be terrible again. So you know what the, you know what the Balakeda says? Great early Sefer, the Balakeda says? He says, he won't destroy the world again because it will be part of the world's memory that it can get so bad that the whole world will have to be destroyed. And therefore, the world will have a check on its conscience that will never get that bad. And I will, I've said to you before and will continue to say, Bezos Hashem, people like to read the story of the Mabul and they say, Oi! It's like America in 2020. Right? This thing they're doing wrong. That thing they're doing wrong. Immorality. In the time of the Mabul, they did not give people unemployment checks because they lost their job because of a plague. They hoarded the money for themselves. There was no social safety net. That was what destroyed the world. Remember that people didn't take care of each other. Right, so, again, you know, it depends where you stand on your politics. You might get upset. Nowadays, people help each other too much. Are they really helping? Good. Debate away. But the core of responsibility is there in the world. Maybe we learned from the Mabu. It became a formative experience forward. So that's a very sunny, optimistic view of, uh, of it. Hashem will never have to destroy the world because we will have learned from experience. But isn't that, any, if, whether that's the interpretation of, or not of that, but isn't that what life is all about? To be formed and matured by the experiences which we've had, by the near misses? And if you feel like I'm trying to hint to something, then you're awake. What on earth is Zoom? Did you guys know what this thing was three months ago? I was on a couple of Zoom meetings and none of them worked before this thing. One of them worked because I wasn't in charge. Somebody else did it. Like, you know, our world is upside down, but now, Baruch Hashem, Going to Minyan, slowly but surely, and we're going to have, what's anticipated is that we're going to have perfect resilience, which means we're going to bounce right back to the same shallow existence that we had before. And we have to be survivors. We have to be survivors. Our world has to be built from Gophris. It has to be built from 
coronavirus. What did we grow up? How did we grow up? How did we come to appreciate new things from this? Otherwise, what a waste of three months. What a waste of turning the world upside down. If we don't, like, become something from this. Okay. Nice to see you guys. Sure, thank you. And uh, thank you. you're welcome. Have a great, have a great, have a great week. Have a good day, everybody. Have a good day. Have a good tavach. Everything good.